Bobby for Horror is my favorite podcast. And I'm Uncle Lloyd Kaufman from Troma Entertainment, along with my good friend, Handy Capable Toxie. And uh, we, we, you know, we can't wait for the next episode. Fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Happy Throbtober. Yeah. All right. Still. Yes. It never ends. <laughs> and no, I hope it doesn't. Dude, I don't know. After like editing these and everything by the end of it, I think I'm gonna be ready for the end of Throbtober. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but yeah, so this. I'm in a good mood because anytime I get to watch a Raimi movie, movie, I'm happy. Oh yeah, we like it's definitely and for Throbtober, we were like we want to hit some of these directors, and Raimi is definitely one of them. And this is a movie I haven't seen in a really long time, probably high school. So like watching it again, I had a, such a great time. Dude, it's the same for me, and to the point that I didn't know if I saw it or not. I'm like, no, I saw it in theaters. I remember that, but then I'm like. I don't remember anything to the point. I'm like, I think a girl gets pulled into mud or something. And that's all I could remember. Dude, all those like 2000s, like PG-13 horror movies kind of blended together for me. And I couldn't, I was having trouble separating it from a lot of other ones. But like, this is really good. Like, I like it a lot. And for PG-13, I'm like, I know we always say like, PG-13 is fine if they're not going for like real scary and violent. This one kind of is. But I'm not bothered by it, like the rating at all. I actually enjoy what they do with it because it's not just like blood and guts. It's like weird shit of like arms getting shoved down throats and like people spitting up flies and like just like random goop coming out of everyone's mouth. Dude, there's a lot of mouth horror, if that's a thing, <laughs> in this movie. Stuff going into people's mouths, coming out of people's mouths, like to multiple characters. It's weird. Like, that's an odd fixation that they had in this movie yeah uh, Raimi had some kind of oral thing going on at this time <laughs> yeah honestly that's what it feels like but yeah it's really good kind of calls back to evil dead stuff a little bit here and there not like easter eggs and stuff as much as what I'm talking about just like there's a scene where a guy is like possessed and is very deadite like that I really enjoy oh he's even like we're going to like swallow your soul and eat your soul and whatnot and you start to hear like the demon voices and whatnot then that, that shows up in a lot of Raimi stuff just like the Delta you know oh yeah so like I mean I'm happy anytime I get to live in this world a little bit you know but Raimi Sam Raimi has such a unique like if, when you're watching a Kevin Smith movie, you know it's a Kevin Smith movie. When you watch a Sam Raimi movie, it has a certain feel to it. Like, the camera, he has all of his great, like, uh, angles that he does, um, the zoom-ins, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, he's up to all of his usual tricks in it. Like, I wish that he directed more. Like, I know he just did Doctor Strange 2 not long ago, and I just want him to go back, make just a random horror movie. Dude, that was his first movie he's directed since this. He does a lot of producing now. He started a production company he likes doing that. Yeah. But he doesn't direct very much anymore. I wish he would. I know. I don't understand because I love his style so much. No, it's not to say like I don't enjoy all the stuff he's produced. I really liked Crawl. Nightbooks was fun. But, like, yeah, give me, like, a straight-up Raimi movie again. Yeah. Uh, didn't he do the, um, that Wizard of Oz thing? Yeah, the Oz Great and Powerful. He directed yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, it, it was one that I was like, yeah, I'll see this. Like, oh, Sam Raimi, sure. And, like, I don't care about Wizard of Oz. And I was like, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> All right, let's get into this thing. It's from 2009, rated PG-13 with an Edward trifecta from Sam Raimi. Also written by Ivan Raimi, but... It uh, Sam did all the steps, at least in some capacity, so an Edward trifecta. Yes, and Ted Raimi does show up in here, so we get a Raimi trifecta. <laughs> Dude, I was so happy. They tried keeping it hidden. It wasn't going to work. I'm like, that's Ted Raimi right there. I, it's been so long, too, since I've seen this. I was looking for Bruce Campbell. Yeah, so about that, they did try to get him for a role in this. 
I don't know which one. I'm going to assume it's the boss. I don't know. Just, oh. That just feels like what he would have gotten. But he was busy during burn notice, so he couldn't do it. Oh, good fucking burn notice. <laughs> I know. Uh, really, that over this, but I get it. Like, he was trying to break into regular mainstream stuff. Like, I know we'll get to it more later, but when it's the old lady's funeral and they're kind of doing, like, the pan around of everyone, I was looking for chins. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not to be found in this one. Damn, but it's still good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we start with a flashback in Pasadena, California, back to 1969, where these parents bring a boy to a woman, and they're like, help him. He stole a necklace, and he's hearing voices and seeing things. And they take him inside. Like, he's looks like he's going into, like, a seizure or a coma or something. Like, he's hype, like rocking back and forth going it coming in and out yeah, he's all sweaty <laughs> later in the movie so it's kind of a little odd but um they're upstairs they have him there and the door swings open and some invisible force attacks all the adults there knocks him down and everything right and then they throw the boy off this ledge and i thought he's dead i'm like oh they killed the kid already Oh, yeah, I thought that that was going to be the worst of it. Of like, I saw the PG-13 rating, so I was like, okay, it's not going to be super gory and whatnot. So that might be a death. Yeah, I thought so. But no, he gets it worse, because then the <laughs> floor fucking opens up, and he's pulled into hell. Which is just, the title is just perfect. It reminds me of, like, almost like a 70s exploitation-type movie. Of, like, Race with the Devil or whatnot. Like, drag me to hell. And it delivers on that title. Yeah, on more than one occasion. Definitely. Literally drugged to hell. Yes. And then, uh, opening credits. So, I like this opening. It sets you up for it right away. You know exactly what you're in for. Yeah, and I enjoy how, like, Christine, like, our main character throughout it, is, like, just the good, wholesome girl. She's the farm girl that came off the farm, and now she's making it in the big city with her, like, rich boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into her in a little bit. She's the whole movie's kind of interesting. Yeah. what they do with who you're supposed to root for and people making choices and stuff. Yeah, because Justin <laughs> Long's character throughout it, I'm like, I don't know if he's a douchebag or is that just Justin Long? <laughs> Justin Long gets stuck in the douche roles a lot, so it's gonna be hard to separate like from those kind of things. I just think of like, well, uh, what was it? from Tusk, what was his name? But, like, how he's just... Wallace. A, Wallace how he's just a complete douchebag. Like, I just see Wallace and they're like, oh, you deserve to be a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to present day and Christine's at her job at the loan office and she's asking her boss about the open assistant manager position. And this kind of sets up the whole plot of the movie because it's between her and the new guy, Stu. He's new here. Yeah, but he's not afraid to make the tough decisions. So she's got to step up her game and... Show her boss she can do that too, I guess. Like, you gotta say no and make people cry more. Just like he does. <laughs> yeah, which she does. Uh, she goes to see Clay on lunch. Justin Long, her boyfriend, at his job. He's a professor. And as she's leaving, she hears this terrible phone call. That I don't know why he has it on speaker about her. Oh, yeah, where she's literally like... She just left. Like, bye, honey. She's three feet away. Phone call. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry that my girlfriend's a disappointment, Mom, but I'm doing the best I can. I can. Like, give her a shot. I don't think he's like that. Like, he's like, no, I love her. Like, she's really good. But the mom's, like, not approving of her at all. Yeah, like, and they already have, like, someone else lined up for him. Like, I don't want it. Like, oh, well, she's going to Yale. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, she's more in your, what is she called, like, class or something like that? Yeah. But as she leaves after hears that, she goes back to work, and Stu, the other candidate, is kissing her boss's ass, so, you know, he's in line for that position. He's gonna get it at this point. Well, they do the thing that, like, I know what they're doing, if, like, with this when they do it in movies, but I hate it every time, of, like, well, I'm gonna go to lunch. And then, like, the guy that's trying to suck up to the boss is like, well, also, grab me lunch! Well, so, and then they, like, go off by themselves to go talk business. Yeah, and try to establish the power play here. And I love it so much, too, like, where she brings back, and he's like, you got the lunch order wrong. And she's like, no, I didn't. Shut up. Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> but she's back at work, and this lady, Mrs. Ganush, oh. comes in for an extension. So, yeah. 
Go ahead. Oh, just because she's sitting at her desk and you just hear like the wrapping of her fingernails and you look over and they're just like black with dirt. Oh, they do a good job of like trying to make her a nasty figure. Like <laughs> she she's taking out her teeth. She, she's hacking up phlegm like she's. Uh, just nasty looking lady. This is like the first, one of the first appearances of like the green goop that shows up throughout this entire movie of she's just coughing up stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she comes in for an extension on her loan because she's had a bunch of medical problems and she made all of her payments on time before this started happening and she had surgery on her eye or something, I think she said. Yeah, it was something about she uh, was able to get work fine until... Her, something happened to her eye where it's like discolored. It's like, what would you're already, I think it's your age that's keeping you from working. Like, also, you tell fortunes and do like magic stuff. I think that the older you get, the more sought after you would be of like, oh, I don't want the 20 something year old guy we get. I want the 80 year old woman that can't talk. <laughs> Was she a fortune teller? Did they ever say that? I didn't. She just said work. I don't think that's what she did. But then why does she have powers? Oh, she just knows spells, I guess. Oh, I don't no. think that's what she did. There, She just said, I'm not working anymore because of the medical bills. I, or she, she is working, but could, didn't have money because of that. She just dabbles in magic? Yeah, exactly. It's a hobby. It's not a career. Oh, okay. Well, she's really good no. at it, then. She should have done that. Be like, do you, <laughs> did your boss just fire you? I can have him drunk to hell. It's actually not a bad idea, but she, uh, Christine goes to talk to her boss. Like she had a bunch of medical bills. She's here for an extension. Well, we've already given her one before. It's a tough decision. It's your call. So right there, it's exactly. Stu's not afraid to make the tough decisions. He tells her it's a tough decision. What do you think she's going to do? Well, and I love that it cuts back to the old woman and she's taking her dentures out at this time and she's sucking on like a piece of hard candy. And then Christine sees the old woman dump her entire like candy bowl into her purse and she's like hacking a <laughs> coffin. She can't be like, it's like, okay, you're stealing from me. You're disgusting. And then she comes back and she's like putting her teeth back in. <laughs> so this came out at a really interesting time too. Uh, this came out in 2009. 2008 was that weird like housing crisis in America with the stock market and everything like that. Yeah. Where a lot of people were being kicked out of their houses and stuff like this. Which, they wrote this script like 10 years before, apparently. And it was just very good coincidence that it came out this time. Oh yeah, that's perfect. It's like if today they're, they're like, it was a virus that came and everyone got locked in their house. It's like, but I wrote it 10 years ago. <laughs> Dude, but, like, every new movie coming out is using that right now. I'm already yeah. kind of tired of it. Yeah, what was that one that we, uh, was it Outbreak? Oh, the, the or Sadness. The Sadness. Yeah, that was that good. Was, that was so good, but though. as yeah. soon as they started with the, there's something going around, there's some kind of illness, and you gotta lock your doors, and I start to see masks, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I, I lived it. I don't need to hear it. Yeah. yeah, so that's exactly what this was for that time. So, like, it was very spot on the nose. Okay. But she goes out and she denies the extension. Look, maybe just take the shitty job if having the real nice manager job is going to mean you have to kick people out of their houses. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't want that job. Or maybe that job isn't for you. You should be at a nicer job where, like... You get to, well, I guess a lot of times she gets to approve people for, like, loans and stuff, because we see she approves the happy couple, and they're all like, thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know. Something about me is like, I'm supposed to root for the lady who could have let a woman stay in her house? I was like, yeah, no, I want this promotion. I'm like, really? That's my, like, person I'm supposed to root for the entire movie? Yeah, like, I want this promotion, so get out of your house, old woman. Like, I'm gonna make a couple extra dollars an hour. And I get it's the, everyone does make decisions they are not proud of. You know what I mean? We've yeah. all done it. Like, it's just a part of life. And the way Mrs. Ganoush goes off on her here at a moment <laughs> reminds me of, like, in my head when I have road rage. Someone cuts me off. In my head, that's not a person who made a bad decision in the moment. No, that's somebody who I want to see flip their car in front of me as I will drive away laughing. <laughs> that's basically what's happening here. This lady this woman did do a terrible thing for her. She could have given her the extension, but she doesn't. And at this moment, not 
I really hope you lose your job over this or something. I'm sending you to fucking hell. Oh, yeah. If I had that power, you know how many, like, fatherless families there would be because someone cut me off in traffic and I'd be like, hell. And he just immediately goes down. I'm like, oh, shit. I probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. In that moment, you're not thinking, oh, that's a person. You're like, that's the enemy. That's how she goes right here. Burst into flames. Burst into flames. (laughs) (laughs) But... She gets on her knees, she goes, I have never begged for anything in my life, but I'm begging you, and she starts, like, getting on her knees, like, grabbing at her sweater and everything. Yeah. And Christine, like, freaks out and calls security. Yeah, and the woman's like, you shamed me. It's like, I'm not the one that threw myself on the ground and started grabbing at me, crying. You could have sold some stuff, or, like, do, do, like, a power thing where, like, oh, there's all this gold now. Like... <laughs> I don't know if she has a money spell, but who knows. But I beg you, and you shame me. It's like, and well, technically, I mean, yeah, I guess I could have extended it, but there are rules of you're not making your payments. Yeah. But then she just lunges for her, and she's carried out by security. At the end of the workday, the boss tells Christine she's at the top of the list for that new position. But could you take this stuff home to work work on it for me? Sure, no problem. I think that line is just for why does she have a bunch of office supplies on her coming up here. Oh, that makes sense. I also love, it's like, you did a really good job making that old woman cry earlier. You're at the top of my list now. Yeah, exactly. Like, all these people should be, uh, get the hell curse. Like, Stu's like, oh, fuck, I need to make two old people cry now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> she goes up to the parking garage and sees a car that she doesn't recognize, Ooh. but we do. Yes. It is the Delta, and every time a Sam Raimi movie shows up, it's like, I'm like, where is it? It's in every single one, and of course, I love, it shows up a couple times, but it's shot really creepily, too, because you're like, oh shit, yeah, that's the old woman's car. Yeah, we didn't have to search for it. It's front and center, like, it's a focal point. And she's getting in her car, and she hears her coughing, and she's like, oh shit, (laughs) which would be terrifying, and this woman that just like lunged at you earlier you hear coughing in the parking garage she gets in her car and she sees her handkerchief mrs ganoush is like floating through the air and she's in the back seat and i love sam's like decision making here because the general cheap idea that you would use for this moment would be a jump scare you know what i mean right sees that that's weird and she lunges into tax right out of nowhere i am a much bigger fan and appreciate that they do the building dread horror. I like more than jump, jump scares. So you see her rise up in the backseat and it takes its time on her before she attacks Christine. I love that stuff so much more because that makes your heart pound, not jump. And that's the kind I like. Well, it's like, it's not immediately like, okay, we know exactly what she does. She jumps right away. It's like, oh fuck, what's she going to do? It's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. There she is. Turn around. Oh no, she's going to hock a loogie. <laughs> But she, like, attacks her from the backseat, and this, we get, it reminds me of the fight in They Live, but between these two in a car. <laughs> oh, I love old woman fight. It is so good, because she's got some fight in her. Like, she's strong. She keeps coming. Oh, yeah. You know, they used a puzzle car for this, which is, they have a car, and then they have a bunch of sections of that car, too. So they can film the inside and make, so like, they're not actually cramped in there, they can get more action in. And so, like, here's this part of the car. Okay, sit there. We'll film this. Here, now, you want to sit on the passenger side now, get in this part. Which is really cool, and it makes the fight flow really nice and everything and not be cramped up. And I love, too, like, it's back and forth of she's, uh, she at one point puts it in reverse and, like, rams a car. And the old woman goes flying backwards. And then she attacks her again. And then she goes, like, she puts it in drive and goes forward and buckles her seatbelt in. And the old woman, like, (laughs) flies into the front seat, smacks her head off of, like, the front console. Her teeth come out. It's a good thing her teeth come out, because right then she goes to bite Christine's chin off. Oh, yeah. But her teeth are out, so she just gums her. She starts gumming her, and there's all this, like, I don't know what it is, but it's, like, green mucus, like, saliva just pouring out of her mouth. I also love, like, how do we not mention the stapler this whole time? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why she has all this office supplies. Of She's got a bunch of paper she needs to staple together, so she better bring it home. <laughs> Yeah, well, to be honest, I don't think I have one at my house. I'd have to do the same thing. Yeah, I don't have one either. But I'd be like, I could do this in email. 
<laughs> but she staples her in the face like 10 times. There's also a moment where she like shoves the ruler in her mouth, which I think kills her. And then she like spits it out. And this is another like very evil dead style. Like it was boom and like sticks to the uh, win- window. Like it was through there. Yeah. And I love at one point she's like, I got you, bitch. <laughs> Cause she's like slammed the door on her. Yeah. I beat you, you old bitch! And then and she then, pulls a ghoul from the first night of the living dead and starts banging against the window with a brick. Yeah, she pulls Christine out. I'm like, oh, she's gonna kill her. And she just rips a button off of her sweater and curses her, like, says a bunch of magic words to it, and then says, soon it will be you who comes begging to me. And then Christine passes out, wakes back up, and the wound vanishes. And I enjoy that they take a couple seconds to show that the police have shown up, and, like, her boyfriend shows up, Clay, to, like, make sure everything's okay, but they're taking a police report. Like, it's not in, like, a lot of movies where it'd just be like, oh, that's kind of brushed over. I also love in the background, you see the guy who owns the one car she smashed into, like, losing <laughs> his shit. <laughs> Dude, I do like that detail, too, because I always think about, like, what about all the, like, innocent bystanders whose stuff gets destroyed in these fights? Yeah, he's like, oh, oh, come on! I just had a fucking long-ass day at work, or I just got denied a loan at the bank you work at, and now you smashed my car. (laughs) (laughs) She's walking with Clay later, talking, and the wind gets real weird for a minute right when they're in front of, like, a fortune teller's place, and she wants to get her fortune read right now, and... Clay's very skeptical, so he's not buying any of it. They go in, like, $60, and she gets her fortune read. First thing he says, pretty spot on. You work with money. Yes, she does. Then, something has been taken from you. No. At least that's what she's thinking. And he grabs her hand and jumps the fuck away and ends the session and tries to refund her and everything, like... He knows exactly what's going on. She's been cursed. Yeah, I love that this entire time, this is where Justin Long kicks into, like, okay, I can be a complete douchebag character. And he starts just making fun of the fortune teller. I love the one point when they're looking at the case and there's, like, a shrunken, like, dried monkey head. He's like, man, you know what I could really go for? It's a dried monkey head, but it doesn't look... Oh, there it is. Like, it was such a great delivery. (laughs) And the entire time, he's like, $60? Like, no, no, we're not doing that. And then as soon as Christine's like, I'll pay for it, He's like, well, now it looked like an asshole. No, I'll pay for it. And I love that the guy's like, oh, yes, MasterCard. Very good. <laughs> yep. But he does try to refund her. Like, I'm not doing this anymore, though. He knows exactly what's happening. Well, it's a good buildup, too, of, like, he does a couple of, like, the, oh, yeah, you, you're you uh, lost something. Everyone's lost something within the last couple days that you're going to kind of remember, you know. Or if you didn't. Well, you do, and you just don't know yet. Maybe I did lose something. Exactly, and it just gets your mind working, and it's just like, oh, okay, it's kind of like, it's kind of scamming her. And then it does the whole thing of like, oh, he like slows down, and he's doing all the faces, and then you see the demon face, and it's like, oh, he like jumps back, and it's like, oh, shit, okay, something is going on. (laughs) Yeah. Clay drops her off. Do they live at separate houses, or is he just not coming home yet? No, I because I thought this like halfway through the movie because they keep calling each other and stuff, and they have like dates where like I know I still have dates with my wife, but it is like they don't live together, and I'm pretty sure they don't. So she's doing extremely well for herself that she can afford this giant house on her one income. Well, the only other thing I'm thinking of. They do say, we have a cat. So maybe they do, and they just have a very awkward living schedule. Yeah, they're never, like, together, it seems, in the house. True. Or, like, even earlier, uh, he comes to the door, and I'm pretty sure he knocks. Yeah, it's very odd living situation with these two. That, that is not made clear to us, the audience, at all. No. I don't know either where it comes in, and I don't know if you saw it but did you see for like a quick like second she's looking at a picture of herself and she's like miss pig 2006 or something and she's standing beside like a pig and it's just random and out out of nowhere and it's just so extremely funny i guess it just sets up that she's from like a farming area and whatnot and she's not up to the she's not like a rich person and didn't come from that lifestyle i guess is what it sets up but it's such a funny ramey way to do it of like look she had the prize winning hog at the county fair (laughs) and then she's also bigger in the picture and later there's a like used to be a fat girl didn't you it's it's doesn't really go anywhere and it's very confusing like you said yeah but it's just so funny (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yes, I caught it too. Yeah. But she's working at home, baking, and she hears the house creaking. Wind blows through the house, and all the power goes out. Then we see the demon shadow crawling over the wall, and I don't, does it headbutt her? Yeah, well, it's like crawling against the wall, then it does like the form, and then it comes at her, and it, it like headbutts her, or like pushes her into the counter. Yeah. And Clay's back home, and he thinks that the woman snuck back in and attacked her again, but she's like, no. This is also where we get our quick Dr. Ted Raimi cameo. <laughs> yes. Dude, they don't show his face either. I could recognize the outline of him. Like, you see him a little bit through the door, and I recognize that voice. I'm like, oh, cool, Ted's in here. <laughs> he has to be. You're a creature of habit, Skinner. <laughs> that night in bed... A fly lands on her face a bunch of time and then goes in her nose, comes back out. I think the other nostril, doesn't it? It does. And then it goes back into her mouth. Like I said, lots of weird mouth stuff in this movie. And she wakes up to see Mrs. Ganoush in bed next to her and she pukes cockroaches all over her. And then she (laughs) wakes up for real from her dream. And I was looking real close, and at this point, super worms do not come into effect, because I was looking for maggots. Every time they use maggots, it's super worms. And I'm like, I feed those to my lizard. I know what those are. But they do show up later. (laughs) Yeah, lots of cockroaches, though, and really nasty looking. Probably fake, but still, never a fun thing. Thinking creep show. Yeah. Yeah. At work the next day, she's sitting there and she hears and feels oh. the fly buzzing in her stomach. That's gotta be so fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she keeps hallucinating seeing this woman everywhere. And Stu's there wrapping his nails and she screams at him because she thinks it's Mrs. Ganoush again. And then her boss walks in and goes to ask about what she took home to work on or something. She gets a nosebleed, like, oh, your nose is bleeding. And then she... I never said this phrase before, Brett projectile nosebleeds onto him. (laughs) It's like a normal nosebleed is happening, and then Sam Raimi shows up and, like, sprinkles some Sam Raimi magic on it, and all of a sudden, it's a geyser. (laughs) It's really cool, too. I don't know if this was to keep the PG-13 rating, that she's not, like, throwing up blood on him, but honestly, I loved this, because I've never seen it before in anything. Oh, yeah, honestly, it seems like him keeping, like, a PG-13 rating. I don't know if that's what his, like main goal was or if it just got cut down later but if it's like it seemed to almost make him more creative of like yeah we can just have him puke blood but we can have her come out the nose and they won't care as much they don't use blood too much throughout this movie a lot of times it's like just the green stuff or like mucus yeah Yeah, they definitely do and they always did want a pg-13 rating from what i looked up they Strictly like, yeah, we're going to keep this one PG-13 and work within those boundaries. Which I could honestly do another one then, Raimi, because I love what you did with this one because it's still really creepy. Now, I do have to say one thing that I do not like about this movie, Hmm. and maybe it's for the time, but even then it feels like it's a little bad for the time. The CGI in most scenes Uh. do not hold up well at all, which is even worse for Raimi because he's such a good practical guy. Yeah, I did notice a lot of the CGI stuff, and I was like, that kind of takes you out of it. But also, it's really cartoony how it looks, so it kind of fits in with it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, when I see his stuff, I typically want to see, like, cream corn being pushed through a sock. You know what I mean? Yeah, where's the stop motion? Yeah, exactly. I want to see Jason and the Organites. Or how, I can never say that Organauts. Word. Oh, I was close. Okay. But, like, that style of a deadite, like, dancing with her head. Exactly. But, okay. Yeah, so we, she projectile nosebleeds all over her boss, and she leaves. As she runs out, the, her rival co-worker, Stu, steals her work binder. Yeah, and I love, like, the boss is like, did it get in my mouth? And she just leaves. There's no anything. And then, like, one scene later, you just see her, like, dabbing her nose with a tissue, looks at it, and throws it away, being like, okay, nosebleed done. That's why I think that was the Bruce Campbell role. Doesn't that seem like that was written for him to get a bunch of blood sprayed on him and then say something like that? Oh, yeah, that was like, well, how can we abuse him? Also, we're going to throw him across the room because Sam Raimi loves to abuse Bruce Campbell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She goes to Mrs. Ganusha's house, so she's going to try to find out what the hell she did to her. Her granddaughter opens the door and eventually lets her in after saying, 
she'll make it right. Because she tries saying, like, I'm a friend of her. No, you're not. Oh, I heard about you. You're the lady from the bank. And she's like, I'm here to make everything right. Oh, you're going to make it right? Okay, come on in. And it's the wake for Mrs. Ganoush. She died. Yeah, and she's surrounded by, like, all these, like, friends and family and whatnot. It's, like, a bunch of old people. It looks like people from another country and whatnot. And you see the picture of her, and I love it does, like, the music of it. It's like, of like, oh, shit, there's Mrs. Ganoush. (laughs) Yeah. So, what happens? Does she get, like, does the demon stuff knock her over, or does she just fall? Well, I think it's just that she's cursed, so anything that can go wrong is going to. Of like, And also the woman, it's like, her body is still kind of like, I guess, it knows that she's there and is like, I still hate you. Because, like, she falls on top of her, like, all this shit goes into her mouth once again. <laughs> and then they put her back and the oh. eyes are just staring at her. Dude, you're not giving it enough credit how gross this one is. Because she knocks over the corpse and it falls onto her. And, like, this green bile just comes spilling out into her into her mouth. It's so fucking gross. Yeah, because it's also, like, what is... It's like, she was already disgusting when she was alive. Now she's been marinating in this stuff for a minute. Also, when they pull the corpse off of her, like, the rigor mortis stiff arm rips out part of her hair, which happens multiple times. Which is hilarious. I just love it so much. If it's just, I love, think of, like, Mrs. Ganoush being like, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) And the granddaughter looks at her and says, you deserve everything coming to you. And then that's the end of that scene. Also, the entire time, the granddaughter just has a Budweiser. Yes. Well, she's... (laughs) She knows how this lady shamed her grandmother, so she's going to enjoy the show. But also, this old woman's wake is like a party, basically. Oh, yeah, it's popping there. Yeah, it's like actually like a good time. They have to- yeah, it, honestly, it was like a good party minus the body. Yeah, just like push, shove that off into the corner. And I was like, anytime, like I went to one funeral where there was the open casket, and I walked in, I didn't know that the casket was open. I was like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, they should warn you. <laughs> Oh, really? Most of the ones I've gone to have been. No, I've well, I've only ever been to one. <laughs> oh, okay. But she goes to see the fortune teller again, and he tells her about the curse, explains it to her. And she has to appease the spirit, and there's multiple ways you can do this. The most normal way would be an animal sacrifice. Oh. She's throwing the, I'm a vegetarian, I'm not gonna sacrifice an animal, but... She's at home reading about it. Doesn't seem like she's going to. What is it? Chekhov's gun. If you see uh, a gun in the first scene of a play, it's going to be used in the third scene. It's Chekhov's cat. They introduced the cat at the beginning of the movie, and then it's like, you need to do an animal sacrifice. And it almost cuts to like, here, kitty, kitty. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. I don't like that part. But she's not going to do it. She's at home, and the demon shadow chases her upstairs in a really tense scene. And she pulls out her cell phone, and this is clever, too. You want to know a way to write out cell phones of horror movies? Have the demon not like it. It drains her cell phone battery, like, immediately. Which does make sense with paranormal stuff, because they will say, like, if you ever ever watched any of those cheesy shows that are just really bad, but they're entertaining, it's like, oh, the battery's being drained, there's a spirit nearby. Yeah. And she's thrown around the room like in a tornado of everything, dropped, and then it shows her going to sacrifice the cat. Yeah. You just see her brutally like POV shot, like no like cat POV shot, stabbing the cat to death, and that's her sacrifice. It's also not even a cat, it's a kitten. And yes. it, you she finds the kitten laying in a basket of fresh laundry. Yeah, you know, the cutest thing in the world that you can see, and then you have to do that. Yeah, and it cuts to, like, yeah, immediately she's in the backyard burying the cat. (laughs) I'd feel more sad about this if it's not for the thing we see later. What's that? During the whole seance thing with everything. Yeah, I don't want your cat! (laughs) This is where she has dinner meeting Clay's rich parents for the first time. Oh, because Clay shows up while she's burying the cat. And it's like, what you doing? And she's like, oh, nothing. Uh, I think everything's going to be okay now. And he's like, are you sure we don't want to postpone this? You're, there's blood on you. <laughs> oh, no, it's a tomato. Yeah, I love it. Like, that's what I'd be thinking. That's not a tomato. It'd be like, I had a nosebleed. Yeah, which is true. Yes. You can call my work to ask them. 
They go there, and it's awkward as hell, as you would expect, because the mom hates her. But she really starts winning her over, like, with just brutal honesty. She's not faking anything. She's being yeah. very honest about her upbringing, her mother, everything like that. And somehow, some way, she's turning these people around on her. I love it so much, because she brings, like... Christine brings like a homemade cake and she explains like, Oh, it's made from goose eggs from the certain time. Cause it makes it really rich. And the mom's like turning her nose up at it. And she's the mom keeps asking her all these shitty questions. Like, why don't you see your mother? And I love, she's just like, cause she's an alcoholic. And he's like, Oh, and I immediately thought like, Oh, she's going to be like offended or like, Oh, why did you say that? But that's just like, my father was an alcoholic. No one's ever been that honest with me. I like you. Give me some of that goose cake. Yeah, that is all going great. She's about to cut into her cake, and then she just sees an eyeball in the cake. Oh, my God. <laughs> she starts hearing all these noises, and she coughs up the fly. And <laughs> the expression on the mom's face when she coughs up the fly is priceless. As I love the mom, see, she, she coughs up the fly, and she looks at the cake, and there's raisins in it. So her mind goes to, there's flies in the cake. <laughs> <laughs> She throws a wine glass against the wall, like, to stop the demon stuff, and then, of course, this honestly pretty understandably offends the family. Like, why are you throwing our glasses? And she's like, I should leave. I think that's a great idea. They stop Clay from following her. They're like, no, let her go. She's crazy. Yeah, and it's like, Clay has, like, it's almost like the rich kid thing of, like, okay, mommy. Yeah. (laughs) But She's gonna, she goes back to the fortune teller, and they're going to have someone help contact the spirit directly tomorrow, but they need $10,000 to do it, like, to pay this person to do it. I do not understand why this part really exists. Of, I guess it's to pad out a little bit of time, and it's also funny seeing her, like, collect all of her stuff to be, like, go and sell, but if this fortune teller is so badly wanted to meet this demon again, why do they have the thing of, like, this weird $10,000... I feel like that's the the fortune teller saying that. The lady who's actually going to help her probably never requested that. He's like, if I help you, I'm going to have $10,000. Lady, I met you the day you were cursed, which was yesterday, I think, if my math is right. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to literally sit in a room with a demon with you? No, you're going to pay me ten grand to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, She's in the attic getting stuff to sell, and Mrs. Ganoush appears... There again, and she shoves her arm in Christine's mouth and is literally stopped by an anvil drop. Yeah, which it's like, why is there... Oh, she's out in the shed. Because that's where she... It does almost like an Evil Dead type, like, old shed door opening, and she's just in the doorway. And then, yeah, Mrs. Ganoush shows up, like, deep throats her with her own fist. And then she does the whole thing of, like, you follow the rope, and there's an anvil over her head. And it's like, why do you have that? <laughs> and why is it constantly suspended in the air? Why is it on the ground? That just seems unsafe in general. It's the most dangerous thing in the world. It's hung up by like this old like rope that's in the shed. But it just sets up a great... But it's also, it's like, oh, it's Sam Raimi. Do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm here for it, but she takes all of her stuff to the pawn shop and only gets $2,800 for it. She's at home, obviously distressed, and Clay comes over and he paid the ten grand. Which, we didn't even know that he knew anything about the ten grand. That scene's gone. <laughs> but you know what, this makes me think that I do like Clay a lot, because he obviously doesn't believe this stuff. But she believes it so much, he's gonna do that. Also, it seems like ten grand to him is like ten bucks to us. Like how they act. I mean, in I don't family. think he's like. I think they're well to do. I don't think they're uber rich, though. Isn't he a doctor? He's a professor. Okay, but still, like he has a really nice office. <laughs> True. <laughs> and he takes her to the mansion from our opening scene with the flashback. So that's what we're gonna have this big showdown. Right, and uh, this whole thing is really great, and it's, like, the most Evil Dead that, like, there's little things throughout the movie, but this is where it's, like, boom, it's, could be the same kind of demons. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We meet the woman from the opening who wasn't able to save the boy, but she's been spending her whole life practicing in case she ever had to face this demon again, and their plan is they're going to sit around the table, kind of like a seance, and there's a goat there. 
They're going to oh my God. put the demon into the goat and then kill the goat, and that will stop the spirit. As soon as the goat showed up, I saw them bring the goat in. I'm like, just like, yes, another goat, Black Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Only this one's white, but I don't care. And it's also you can tell the goats being stubborn, so which lends credit to don't work with goats because they do whatever they want. What did uh, Robert Akers say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he might be right. The goat is being drugged across the floor because its hooves are just like stuck straight out, and it's like nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goats in horror movies are my new favorite thing. It is rare, but we get them once in a while. Oh, it's so good. And then I love they bring the goat, and they clip it right next to her, and throughout the entire, like, next, like, little bit, when the goat's just standing there, the goat's just looking around, it's looking at her, <laughs> it's looking at the ceiling. He's having a nice day being in his movie. I love goats. <laughs> but they're doing the ritual, they're chanting, and, like, there are others here as well. And there, you see a bunch of demons in the room. And yeah. they somehow banish all of them except for the one they want. Also, I believe one of these demons is a Sam Raimi cameo. Yes, because I did see that in the, um, looking at Letterbox as, like, he's one of the de- which is really awesome. Like, one of the ghosts. But I also yeah, love- I didn't catch it, but I guess he's there. Yeah, I didn't see him, but it says he is. I love the first one that comes through is like a jokester, and he's like laughing and stuff, and like clapping. And they're like, "Yeah, sometimes like certain ones wait right beside the door to get out." Yeah, but they somehow banish all the extras away, so it's just the big one. And they say he is coming, and the door starts shaking, and it possesses the leader woman. They, and, they literally banish the extras away. They're like, your scene is done. Leave now. <laughs> <laughs> but it possesses the leader. It's all evil. Christine shoves her hand, the leader's hand onto the goat and it transfers into the goat. <laughs> and the one guy whose job is to kill the goat is about to kill it, but the goat bites him. <laughs> the goat animates. The goat starts talking. It's like, Christine, you can't get rid oh, of yeah. us. Man. <laughs> And his face, like, CGI's into, like, a, like, animated talky goat face. It's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> it is wild. This scene is so batshit once everything starts kicking off. And it, it just goes on further from here. Because it bites the dude and it transfers it to him. I guess it's like if you touch someone, it just goes into them. Yeah, I guess and so. And then that guy starts floating and dancing in the air. And I love it. It's, we're so, it's basically, we're so out of your soul, we're so out of your soul. <laughs> like, he's spinning. <laughs> like, he, he goes full deadite right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you can tell it's like wire work dancing, like his feet just floating in the air and everything. Oh, yeah, and, like, and he catches, like, the table on fire, and it does, like, the classic demon thing where he's literally, like, dancing on top of the fire. <laughs> yeah. He's doing a jig. <laughs> I don't want your cat and pukes it up. And also, he pukes it up. The cat's like meow, and he like <laughs> falls to the ground. <laughs> um, the lady leading this seance thing comes back too and banishes the spirit, and we're all excited, victory, yay! But then the woman passes out and dies. She didn't get to enjoy her victory celebration for very long. And this is one of multiple times that Christine is like, "Wow, it's all over," and uh, what uh. Rom, what was his name? The fortune teller guy. That's uh, oh, I don't remember helping don't her. It's like no, you misunderstand. She didn't get rid of it for good. Like, <laughs> yeah, she just got rid of it from the seance. Yeah, so yeah, it's still coming. And he tells her the last resort plan that she didn't. He didn't tell her before, which is very simple, honestly, on the surface. He's like, you can give pass the gift on to someone else. The button. And they'll take her place. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> really easy when you say it. But just like, why didn't you tell me this before? Because you'll you'll banish them to hell. So whoever you give this to will spend eternity in hell. So it's not an easy decision to make. Even people you think you don't like, I'm like, do I really not like them that much? Yeah, and I love it's like it's like uh, you're going to be sending someone to hell, and I was your accomplice. That's why I didn't want to really do this, but this is our last resort. I love it then, like, 
cuts is this when it cuts to her sitting at the diner and she's just looking at everyone being like who do i give it to exactly and i love what they do here they have the waitress be real snarky and rude to her uh-huh. so i'm like oh she's gonna give her the button as the tip you know what i mean like those incidents we were saying earlier, like, imagine, like, the road rage or someone just being a jerk to you in public. It's, like, one of those moments. Well, because she's like, honey, uh, all you're doing is drinking coffee, and coffee drinkers don't tip. And I work on tips. And she's like, I'll give you a tip. I'll, the last tip you'll ever need. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, she sees, like, an old man in the corner with, like, a, a oxygen mask on, and he's like, looks like he's about to die. And she's like, okay, I'll send him to hell. And she starts walking towards him. Then here comes this sweet old wife with cake. And he's like, oh, I love you so much. And they like kiss and shit. And it's like, <laughs> it couldn't be any sweeter. Dude, I don't get her logic with that one. I get like, oh, if it was, they will die. I'm like, okay, maybe I get her logic there. But it's not that they will die. It's they will go to hell. Yeah. So age isn't really a factor here, Christine. I would not go to a diner. I'm going to go into like, okay, where do I know like the heroin dealer is? Like, hey, buddy, here's your thing. Here's a nice gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's not, I don't know. She's not in like the place of scum and villainy. It's a, yeah. a pretty nice diner. I'm trying to think of like what uh, if there's any like a director or anything that I would be like I hate him so much I want to give Cisco Evers yes we dig- they're back they're back we go we do the end of the movie we dig them up which one of them doesn't have the jaw so we can it's real easy to shove it down their throat. <laughs> They're like, we reviewed movies. What did we do? You talk shit on Friday the 13th, burn in hell. Dude, that's an old cut for any of the long-time listeners. Holy shit. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Somehow we send both of them. We split the button in half. We human set a penis and put the button in the middle. Yes, we sew them together. We're sitting there in the graveyard. We have a sewing kit. <laughs> Oh fuck! We haven't done th- we haven't we used to do that at the end of every episode. Holy shit! Yeah, and for Throbtober, extra fuck you, Cisco and Hebert. <laughs> Welcome back to Throbbing with Horror, guys. <laughs> okay, but she calls the mean coworker who and tells him come to the diner. Like she has blackmail on him. He comes and she she's saying this is about him stealing the account. And she's about to give him the button, and then she backs out. She can't even send him there. Yeah, because, well, because he starts, like, crying, and he immediately is, like, super pathetic. <laughs> yeah. But then she sees in the newspaper Mrs. Ganusha's obituary, and she's like, she has the light bulb go off. She asks the fortune teller, could you give it to a corpse? And he's like, I guess, honestly, you could, and it would send her soul there, wherever it is now. And so she has her plan. It cuts to that. I love the fact, I like the thing in the head of, because he is reading a book and is like, yes, it looks like it is possible. But I love that she runs up to him and is like, I want to give it to a dead body. Can I do that? He's like, hmm, let me go to my library. And sits there and reads for like half an hour. And he's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. But she's driving to the cemetery and she's attacked by the handkerchief on the way. Oh, I love it, where he hits the windshield, like, you see uh, the old woman's face in it, and she puts on, like, the uh, windshield wipers, then, like, it evil deads its way, like, into her car, is the only way I can describe it, it was like, the handkerchief crawls. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Doctor Strange cape, that's a good way, oh, like, yeah. that's honestly what it's like. That is true, and then it comes through the vent, and, like, latches onto her face, she gets to the cemetery, and she's still fighting with the handkerchief, where she, like, pulls it off and throws it. Then it tries to go down her throat, and she, like, just catches it, and once again pulls something else out of her mouth. Yeah, it's, again, such an odd theme for this movie, but finally takes care of the handkerchief. She rips it, right? Yeah, she rips it and, like, stomps on it. And the handkerchief, it's almost like the uh, hand from Evil Dead 2 where it, like, whimpers. I was just about to. Exactly, yes. Yeah, it's like, she stomps on it. It's like, wee, wee. <laughs> so she digs up the body. And I know this is a freshly dug grave, but she is, like, six feet under, like, 
has dug down. And what <laughs> the movie would lead us to believe was like, eh, 20 minutes. Yeah. No fucking way. Ed Gein is like two graves over being like, howdy. I see you're into what <laughs> I'm into. You want to come back and have some soup? <laughs> I'm making a bowl <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> But she cracks open the casket and pulls the body out. It started to rain at this point, too. And she shoves it in Mrs. Ganusha's mouth and yells, Choke on it, bitch! Which, you know, really cool final girl lines. Oh, yeah. I love she, like, yeah, shoves it in her mouth. And then she, like, kicks her mouth shut. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like I said, the storm is kicked up here. And it's filling up the grave with water. And Mrs. Ganusha's headstone just falls onto Christine and bumps her on the head. I'm also pretty sure this is where we see the superworms as maggots show up when she first opens it. And I'm like, nah, yeah. superworms. <laughs> but she doesn't die. And the, I guess, water has floated her close enough to the top where she gets out of the grave. And she's at home. Well, no, she, uh, she's like oh, floating around in the grave. Like she like uh, kicks her mouth shut and it's all done. And the dead body sinks into the like, uh, water, because this thing's filling up. And now she's, like, trying to get out, and she can. She keeps slipping and sliding. Then, like, the body, Mrs. Ganusha's body comes back up and, like, grabs her, and then a headstone falls and smacks her on the head. Dude, it's an odd fight between a living person and a corpse. It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. she gets out. It is a great transition as well, where she gets out of the grave, and, like, the rain is washing her off. And it transitions to she's in the shower and actually, like, washing all the dead woman off of her. (laughs) Yeah. And she gets a call that she got the promotion. Everything's going great. She meets Clay at the train station for their trip. And at first, I'm like, what the fuck is this bullshit going on here? Why are we bothering with this? But she sees a coat in the window, and the store's not even open yet, but they, I guess, open up early so she can buy this new fancy coat. I'm like, why? Why? I'm like, this could be cut, and I get why, just to start this conversation but right here this is the end of friday the 13th part one where alice is in the canoe and there's the nice calm music and that there's a nice morning it's it's beautiful skies it's not raining look there's help coming the police showed up like i'm trailing my hand in the water like everything will be peachy keen from here on out oh yeah but no, because he asked about the new jacket. She's like, oh, I liked it. Goes, oh, I kind of like the old one. And you could have used this. He has the fucking button. Which <sighs> just, this drives me insane. He goes, yeah, I think you got my coin. She bought him a coin earlier because he's a coin collector. I think you swapped him in the car on accident. And, dude, you have the object that will save you from being drugged into hell and send someone else there. You don't check the envelope to make sure it's in there? I was thinking about that. Honestly, if I was Christine, I would be because the fortune teller's the one that, like, sealed it for her. So I'd be like, if I open it, is that, like, opening the present and then it's not a gift anymore and does that break something? Oh, do I have to okay. go find him to get another envelope? And he's like, God damn it, I didn't want to do this the first time. That's the only thing I could think of why she wouldn't check. I mean, if they would have had a line saying something like that, okay. Yeah, but that that's 100% me just speculating. So, yeah, I agree with you. They should, like, a throwaway line in there. Yeah, which and then the realization and the dread... She falls backwards in panic onto the train tracks. And I think this is brilliant, too, because Clay sees her. No one else has really made it to the edge yet. She falls down right as the train is coming, and he sees this, but everyone else will just assume she fell and was hit by a train. The ground opens up, and she's literally pulled into hell. We see her flesh burning off and goes full skeleton as she's pulled down under and everyone else like i said just thinks she was hit by a train except for clay who saw it and she's screaming she's like help me and reaching out and like you said she's like burning away and like melting immediately and it's fucking creepy and like fucked up to see (laughs) oh it's wild i it's what an ending like how fucking scary and then boom drag me to hell (laughs) yeah man fun time which, you know, I don't know if I remember this correctly or if it's just an idea I had so long ago that I think it's real. But was there ever a thing where there was going to be Drag Me to Hell 2 where Clay goes to hell to save her? 
I never heard of such a thing, but maybe. I don't know if that's just something I came up with headcanon a long time ago, and it, like, trickled into, like, being fact in my head, but that would be awesome. That'd be a cool movie, but at this point, I don't think we're... Oh, I know, she's retired from acting, so probably... Oh, really? Yeah, she didn't do too much after this. She did some, like, Disney or Nickelodeon show or something before, I think. Hmm. And she did a couple things, and then she's like, yeah, I'm good. Oh, okay. Well, good. She did great in this. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. Good job to, like, everyone all around in this one, so... Yeah, let's do it. Count of the Dead time. Yeah, I mean, honestly, have we, like, talk about how, like, the 2000s are, like, kind of suck for horror movies? This is a fucking standout. Dude, when we did that Best of the 2000s bonus episode, I'm mad at myself for not putting this on there, but like I said, I didn't remember this movie, so it was not fresh in my mind at the time. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I hadn't seen it in so long. Like, I saw it, and I was like... I think I saw that, and I I couldn't exactly, like, I know I've seen bits and pieces of it, and now seeing it again, I'm like, that's on there. Yeah, so, yep, if we could go back again, it'd be on there. So, listeners, have fun, take out a movie of your choice from our list, and insert this into there. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason for me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Count of the Dead's where we count all the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we came to with Drag Me to Hell? Oh, no, um, let me think. Well, there's the boy in the beginning. There's Mrs. Ganush. Got it. Christine. Got it. Got it. And the cat doesn't count and whatnot. The cat does not count. I'm going to say three. Three? Yeah. Super close. Oh. Four. You missed the lady who led the seance. Oh, that's right. She does die. Fuck. That's right. Yep. So four deaths and drag me to hell. Yeah, and on it, like, for a PG-13 movie, not bad. No, this movie could, honestly, look, on, like, a, just a scares scale, this is, has more scares than a lot of the R's we do. Oh, yeah, honestly, it does. Because it makes you, too, like, it doesn't just show everything. Which, I was just recently watching the behind-the-scenes making of the remake of Night of the Living Dead. And Savini was yeah. kind of talking about, like, oh, the MPAA cut down on a lot of our gore, and at the time... Like, I was really upset about it and sad that it got taken out, but now it's almost works for it, because if you make the audience have to imagine it, it's way worse than whatever you could put on screen. Oh, we've said before, like, uh, and Saw, how you don't really see him sawing off his ankle, but you think you did, because they built it up. Texas Chainsaw, you think you see that meat hook go through her back, but you don't. Yeah, I swear. Yeah. That version. I swear I've seen him cut off his own foot. Like, that's ingrained into my mind, but you, it, you never see it. Yeah, it's wild. But yeah, that is the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. And here is my ratings from Dimension Z. Um, so I take the something from the movie, and I rate it 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. And I don't pick that thing until right now. And honestly, how much of this that there was in the movie, it's hard to pick anything else. So I'm going to go liquids. Okay, liquids in mouths? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> liquids getting shoved into Christine's mouth. And I was waiting for you to be like, are you going to do oral? <laughs> no, I, I never guess that anymore because I can never make sense of it. Number one version of oral, she just chews on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I'm going to do liquids. Uh, okay. so a number one version of liquid, the worst kind, I'm going to, it's like just all the phlegm that's in this movie, like any kind of bile that's coming out of a person, like uh, think of like liquid diarrhea, maybe like, okay. It's the worst. Like is anything that comes out of a person is like, ugh. body fluid. Yes. A number 10 liquid, the best kind of liquid I'm trying to like. I'm going to go Southern Tier Pumpkin, which is a beer. Um, I don't know no. if it's everywhere, uh, but I know around Pennsylvania, Southern Tier is pretty big. And Pumpkin is the king of all pumpkin beers. It tastes like liquid pumpkin, like pie. Look, I, I'll let it slide because it's October, but man, I'm not big on it. You're not into the pumpkin spice beers. No, something about those things mixed together. Um, maybe I haven't found the right one, but yeah, I'm not big on it. But think for you, maybe like PBR. No, yeah, of course. Okay. 
So, uh, Drag Me to Hell, and I had a fucking great time with this. I'm going to give it seven, uh, eight liquids out of ten. Like, Oh, nice. This is a fucking, like, it's kind of like a hidden gem for Raimi. Like, I kind of slept on this for a while. This is going to become almost like maybe an October watch. Yeah, it's really good. I don't know how people talk about it. It's kind of buried under, like, his Evil Dead trilogies and Spider-Mans. But, yeah, it's really good. Like, it's a... A nice little crown jewel in the collection for him. I wish he would just do another one of these just, like, one-off horror stories like this, where it's not connected to, like, Evil Dead or really anything else. It's just its own standalone thing. He'd agree with it. Yeah. I was super close to you, off by half. I went eight and a half liquids. Okay, nice. So, yeah, everything you said, I really enjoyed it a lot. Like... The CGI wonkiness yeah. brought it down a little for me. Other than that, though, no complaints, really. No, it was a really fun movie. I could see this, too, being, like, if you're maybe a parent trying to do, like, okay, they've seen Ghostbusters. That's, like, an intro-intro movie. Now you're trying to take it to the next level. This is a PG-13 movie, and there is, like, a bunch of fucked-up shit in it, but it doesn't go, like, super overboard. So, like, middle Jesus, school... I think this will be more... Tra- I think this would be more traumatizing than slashers. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up on Jason at six years old, so I'm a hard one to tell. That's what I mean. Like, that stuff. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Show Halloween. Show Friday. Even night nightmares. Like a little more scary with stuff. But yeah, okay. But no, I wouldn't do this one yet. Do do all that stuff first. <laughs> They're like, why am I going backwards? This is PG-13. It's like you'll see. Yeah, that's all I got on Drag Me to Hell. Fun time. That's all I got. So, uh, yeah, we hope that Drag Me to Hell has been awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. And we hope that you're having a great Throbtober. Do you like Throbbing with Horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes their show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? (laughs) Hey, Paul!